Hey guys, and welcome to the Money Podcast. You know, you work years to pay off your debts. You scrimp, you save, you've put your extra dollars toward debt freedom. But what do you do with your money when you're done? How do you make the most of your finances now that you have new goals? And more importantly, what can you do to avoid falling back into that debt trap? That's what we're going to talk about today. I'm your host, Stacey Johnson. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Hi, Miranda. Hello. Listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer, Aaron Freeman. Hey, Aaron. How you doing, guys? And today, our special guest is Marcus Garrett, author of the book, Debt Free or Die Trying. Hope we're not going to die trying. Hey, Marcus. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I only point out now that I wrote it before the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an, un, an unfortunate choice of topic or yeah, of title there. Exactly. Uh, we're going to talk about your journey, Marcus, and, and other people's journeys, how to, how to dig out of that debt hole, and, and what you've done, Marcus, to stay out of it. Now, let's get the ball rolling, but before we do, a quick disclaimer. Should we discuss specific investments in this show? Don't take them as recommendations. You know why? Because they're not recommendations. Before you invest in anything, you got to do your own research. you got to make your own decisions. Okay, let's get back. Let's get right into our topic. Marcus, tell me your story. How did you get into debt? What did you get out of it? Where are you from? What are you doing? Tell me everything. Hold nothing back. <laughs> All right. I am from the great state of Texas, at least uh, last I checked anyway. You might be a subject to debate. How I got into debt was the, I'll go to the quick version, we can go as, as deep as necessary. I had about $9,000 in debt when I graduated college, had most of my college paid for. I got a, uh, my parents had gone through a scholarship fund that eventually went bankrupt. We could talk about that because they, they got credits, it was Texas Tomorrow Fund, and Tomorrow went broke. And they locked in credits, and then, as you know, college increased like 300%, the fund went broke, but I got in there with a locked in fund. Well, I didn't know that. For, yeah. That's a wild story. Yeah, uh, paid for about 90, 95% of my school. I transferred, lost some hours, thought I knew everything, lost about two semesters, uh, graduated $9,000 in debt and across three credit cards. And I got my first credit card for the price of a yo-yo. Uh, some people got t-shirts, you know. <laughs> I feel I feel like I'm the only one that got a yo-yo. I, I got a story. gym bag. <laughs> See? I mean, yeah. I got a gym I feel bag. like every millennial or Gen Xer has that. I was walking through the mall and then they got me. <laughs> <laughs> so mine was a yo-yo. Nine thousand dollars in debt, and I got this a, is while uh, you're in offer. college. Yeah, yeah, this is while I was in college. So I didn't max anything out. Didn't actually go too crazy, and then I got a consolidation loan. And at that time, I didn't know what the hell a consolidation loan was. It looked like a very you know one low consolidation, like one monthly payment. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is amazing. I'm, I'm getting over on the banks, and they sent me a check for ten thousand dollars. I never made more than $9 an hour in my entire life. And so I took that check and I did what I think a lot of 22 year olds would do, at least what I did. And then I went out and bought every color liquor I could find, treated all my friends, <laughs> uh, bought a car with 17 inch rims that I claimed were 20 for many years. And um, I, by, the, by the time, 72 hours later, I had $26,000 in debt. Ultimately wow. writing, I was living what would become Debt Free or Die Trying the book. Now, how old are you, if you don't mind my asking? Marcus? Now I'm 39. 39. Okay. So you guys, I'm the old guy here. I'm 66. Uh, our, my co-host and our producer are in their 40s. So you guys are all about the same. And I have to say, before you guys start getting into your other sad stories, Miranda and uh, Aaron, I have to say that when I was in college, there was no credit cards. And you know why? Because you didn't have any money. And you didn't I was have a job. Say because you were old. <laughs> hey, hey, no, because they didn't have credit cards back then. No, because they, no, they. Why would you? Why would somebody give you a credit card when you don't have any money or a job? Right. And, see, in y'all's generation, all of a sudden, here you could fog a mirror, have some plastic. 
But so I didn't graduate with any debt because I, there was no way I could get into debt. Yeah. So, yeah. And so how did why do they do that? You you guys all did this, right? You got credit cards when you were young. Yeah, and actually, the credit card uh, the credit card act of twenty. 2009 was supposed to help kind of reel that back a little bit, uh, but it was still pretty easy for my son to get a credit card all on his very own lonesome when he turned 18. So, uh, you know, they, they say they want to kind of uh, do some checks, make sure you have a way to pay it back. But all it did was just start you out with a lower uh, credit limit. And then if you show you can make some payments along the way, then they just start jacking up that credit limit. So, so Marcus, you got into all this debt while you were in college. Correct. Uh, and I wondered about that. So that's that's interesting to hear from the new perspective. I thought they made it illegal. Uh, so I think they made it illegal for them to actually be on the college campus to give them like right, yes. T-shirts and yogos anymore. Uh, but it's interesting that uh, they're still getting their claws into these young children. <laughs> so what was your degree in? Uh, business, ironically. Okay, so so you gra- so you graduate with how much was it? Twenty six thousand? So you said? Uh, graduated with nine thousand dollars in debt across three credit cards. I got a ten thousand dollar consolidation loan that I was supposed to pay off those credit cards with. I paid off one credit card, and then uh, so the book is how I buried myself thirty thousand dollars in debt and dug my way out. Uh, I also bought a flat screen TV, and so people can wrap <laughs> their head around like, okay, nine thousand dollars in debt, twenty six thousand dollars on a car. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, but I bought a 3000 flat screen TV. I lose a lot of people there. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> That's just a reflection of how old I am. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was, like they had just come out. They were $3,000. They were four times the, the size and width of my TV. Now, uh, $3,000 TV now is 70 inches. And like, I think I got it for $300 on like a black Friday special. So you know, that's life. <laughs> so, so, so you don't feel so bad. I want to, uh, so, cause you're bearing your soul here. Uh, and, and I want Miranda, would you tell your story briefly, if you don't mind? And then Aaron can tell his, too. Yeah, I mean, mine was kind of the same. Right. I was in college. I got credit cards. Uh, they kept raising my limit. Uh, I, I had every intention to pay off the balance every month, but somehow um, I, I, I didn't. <laughs> and, uh, and then I had I had a full tuition scholarship. I had things paid for, but I still took out as much as I could at student loans. And so I just kind of, you know, <laughs> did all the things. And, and back then, they weren't direct loans from the government. They were, uh, they, they were loans from, they were government subsidized loans, but they were from private parties. And so it was like a whole, whole different situation. And then, yeah, then I got married. And then my, my husband got in on the mix. And, you know, just <laughs> a lot of trying to, and then as soon as we like got you know, got our money going, started paying stuff down. We'd do things like buy a house and then, and then build that credit card debt back up again. So kind of the same thing. And, and also did, uh, kind of along the same lines, personal loan, pay off the credit cards. You're supposed to like free all that money up. But all that happens is, is you free all the credit cards up. You're, you, you swear, you swear you're going to pay off the balance each month and you start using those credit cards again for the points or for whatever it is you're using them. But you still got this consolidation loan out here you've got to make payments on. And now you're racking the credit cards up again. So it was kind of similar, <laughs> kind of similar. <laughs> well, OK, now what about you, Aaron? Uh, I didn't fall into the uh, getting into debt in, in college or anything. I, I didn't see any credit card offers when I was going through school, but it happened to me later in life. And I, it was just a being a shopaholic. It just happened. I had a professional job. I had money, and I fell into the. Uh, I'll pay it off someday. I'll pay it off someday. I can afford that. I'll pay it off someday. But 
it never never paid off. <laughs> it just kept getting worse and worse and worse until the point I had to uh, declare bankruptcy with uh, after 2008 and the whole thing collapsed yeah, and lost the house and everything. Yeah. Well, this just goes to show you. Three of the four people on this podcast have had debt issues. And the reason, by the way, I, I, I uh, want to add immediately that I probably didn't is twofold. One, I wasn't able to borrow money when I was young and stupid. And, and two, my parents both grew up in the Depression. So they pounded into my head. You know, you don't borrow money unless your back's against the wall. You just don't do it. And so I was fortunate not to have ever fallen into that trap. But I'm amused that all three of you guys did. <laughs> That kind of happened to the modern youth, though. The, the kids that went through 2008, 2009, they kind of got into that mindset, too. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, yeah the younger ones are, are savers. Okay, so now let's hear your stories of redemption. Marcus, how did you get out of this horrible situation? And Yeah, that's what I wanted to begin with is I, I think from the three out of four is you overcome as well. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing or impressive what you can overcome if you, you catch it early enough. So I, I started to self-correct at age 27 in the book. That's what I call rock bottom. So you, you, I'm laughing about it now because I'm 39. I have a different perspective and the clarity of hindsight. But at that time, I think I was crying on my knees and be no begging doubt. for yeah, a consolidation loan in a different place. And the way that it snowballed, Miranda uh, made a great point. I, I'm an auditor as well. So I I find misery in data, but I actually like it. I was looking at kind of just how inflation has changed. So over the course of my lifetime, I think the period I was looking at for 1980 to present, inflation has gone up 240%. And I was trying to understand, like, how is my salary keep going up? And I still feel broker than ever. Like, I'm making more money than I've ever had in my lifetime, but it still feels like I'm on this treadmill. And so inflation is eating away at some of that and some other costs that you take on as far as lifestyle inflation. So at 27... You know, going back in, in, in hindsight, like I'm on knees and what had happened is I missed one credit card payment. It was Discover card, I remember. And I'm like, you know what? Me and Discover card have been boys since I got that yo-yo. We good. I'm just going to call them up. We're going we gonna to work this out. And I was like, yo, Discover, it's your boy Marcus, you know, do with the yo-yo. Uh, my interest rate went from like 18% to 29.9% overnight. What are we going to do about this? And they're like, you going to make the minimum payment or we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm I'm older, but I'm still dumb at the time. So I'm 27. I was like, you know what, Discover, I'm going to teach you a lesson. I closed my credit card. So I, <laughs> I, I, I made several mistakes that same night. I destroyed my credit uh, because 30 percent of your credit score is utilization. I was like, I'll teach Discover, you billion dollar entity. <laughs> uh, I, I moved that over and I did move it over to another card. But what I learned from that and some of this, um, for me, the pivot was I'll never put myself in this position again. So that was my Great Depression moment. I was like, I know this will never happen again. Uh, so I had to beg Bank of America for a new consolidation loan. And I remember we were on that call and he was like, what's your credit score? You know, what is your utilization rate? How much debt outlay do you have and debt to income? How much are you paying each month? I could answer none of these questions. And so for me, um, got off that call and I was like, you know, how did it get here? You go through the, you know, the sad. And like I said, I think I was in near, near tears. I might have actually physically cried. And I, like, how did it, how did it get here? I just bought a car with rims. How did it all go so wrong? <laughs> uh, and so I was like, I'll, I'll never be here again. And for me, I went to, uh, it's still out there, bankrate.com slash calculators. And I put the plan together, downloaded the PDF that would ultimately become debt free or die trying. That's awesome. I, I wrote it. By the way, two things. I was an auditor also. Are you an auditor now or, or were you? 
Yeah, I call myself a recovering auditor, which uh, is something <laughs> we might also talk about. I I'm still in the field. Uh, they give me like the golden hand because I've tried to get out of audit for like easily the last five to 10 years of my career. And I like, it, it, this is definitely a first world complaint. Like I get a raise like right when I'm about to leave. I get a promotion. It's yeah. like they almost sense that I'm about to go. And they're like, how would you like to be a director? <laughs> yeah, I got, I was an auditor, I was like, for, this, I was an auditor for the state of Arizona. And it's the instant right. I got my CPA license, I was gone. It, yeah. I had narcolepsy. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't stay awake at, when I was auditing. That's where I am now. <laughs> I understand. So anyway, give me some specifics. What, what did you do to turn your life around and get this all behind you? What, what specifically so, did you do? I, I re-released the second edition of the book in 2020. I dropped the first one in 2016, which really was just a, a digest of my thoughts. And luckily, some people bought it. I don't know why they did. So the 2020 version is much better. And it's more organized. And I work with an um, editor, actually, Jaina. I forget her last name, but she's in the FinCon community. And we came up with a four-step organized structure. So now it's debt. It's an acronym. So it's define the plan, uh, which as I talked about, went to bankrate.com, uh, downloaded the plan. Uh, no, it's actually define the plan. How much debt do you have? So I went to annual credit report, like, cause I didn't even know how much debt I had. That was one of the first questions. I couldn't even answer how much debt I had. So I downloaded my, uh, credit report and then define the plan. So how am I going to get out of debt? For me, that was bankrate.com slash calculator. So I'm not played by bankrate. I wish I was cause I plug them all the time. And then the step three is actually build a budget. Um, and for me, I used a 50, 30, 20 budget, um, kind of loosely, uh, 50 for wants, uh, 50 for needs, I should say 30 for wants and 20 to still allow me to do spending and saving and investing. Uh, and I, I started investing accidentally at age 22 and then got nice. really into it around age 27. Uh, oh, I, I, no credit to me as my employer. They made me do it. <laughs> uh, and then trust the process is uh, so D define establish a plan, uh, build a budget and trust the process. So that's the organized system that I use now. And I talk a lot to a lot of people, as you know, as an auditor, putting a system in place, like everyone has goals, everyone has a new year's resolution, 80% fall off by February. So you need a system and discipline in place. That's what I focus on now. Yeah. What, what about you guys, Miranda or Aaron? Did, did you use something similar to that when you were trying to turn your debt around, destroy it? Yeah. So kind of similar. I had to put in place. What I did is, is I, I'm a big fan of automating my finances, as many of you know, and that I talk about. And so one of the things that I did was just make sure that uh, I set up that sort of uh, debt snowball plan kind of a thing where what you do is you figure out your minimum payments on everything, and then you choose uh, one of your one of your debts to focus on first. So you make sure you're making your min minimum payments on everything. Then you focus on one debt first. Uh, if you want to do the debt snowball, that's your lowest balance. If you want to do what's called the debt avalanche, that's your highest interest rate. So you kind of decide what's going to work best for you. Um, <clears throat> so, so yeah. So I just and I said, okay, well, uh, right now as of this moment, I've got 150 extra bucks a month. We can put toward the the one debt. So I automated that to say, okay, well, we've, we've got the minimum payment set up. Now I'm going to make an extra automated payment on top of that minimum payment for my chosen card and start there and just do it without thinking, keep it going. And if I get extra money, if I have, you know, extra money that I'm, that I have available from these other goals, uh, then I can throw that 
as an extra payment as well to kind of speed things up. So it was really just kind of taking a step back saying, okay, what do I need to cut out? How much am I wasting? I think experts or somebody somewhere said, you know, the average household wastes between 10 and 15% of their income each month. Uh, so I went ahead and said, okay, well, what's 10% of my income? Where can I find that waste? How do I apply that to paying down my debt? Um, it was a little bit complicated sometimes. I was married at the time with a with a growing son. So occasionally, um, you know, we'd have you know, you have to, you have to get, if you're, if you're, if you have a partner, you have to get them on board with it and you have to do that. So sometimes, sometimes we fall behind a little bit or we'd have to retweak the plan. Um, you know, and then with my son, it's like, okay, well, you know, now he's going to school. We've got some things we need to buy. So, but really what it comes down to is, is it sustainable? And is it something you can keep doing even if you have to tweak? Because sometimes, I mean, we hear these stories of people, I paid off $100,000 in six months. And it's like, hmm. <laughs> I like, I, I, you know, I don't know how sustainable that is. over. I, the long, I tend to doubt those run. stories, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure that people, I, I was just listening to a podcast yesterday where somebody said they, I think they were 36 and they were in debt and then now they're retired and they're 41. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously, you don't want to come wow. on my podcast because I guarantee I'd be asking for your tax returns. But what, okay, what about, what about you, Aaron? What did you do to turn things around? Um, well, I didn't self-actualize like Marcus did. I don't know how you did that. He looked at yourself and went, man, something's wrong with me. I don't, I don't know how you did that because the... Uh, I got the punch in the face from my wife. He said, um, how do you make so much money? You have nothing in the bank. What's wrong with you? And she just beat me in the head for that. And then I'm like, uh, okay, fine. All right. I, I admit it. I have something wrong with me. So, But she's also she an accountant. Me, she is she not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. He is. Yeah. So she, uh, she woke me up to what was going on. And so then that's, that's in, in our big whole thing is just, if you don't need it, don't buy it. And I'm kind of stuck to that model and it's been working ever since. You know, now, now, now all we see is our, how much money goes out on, on, on the weekend with food and drink. And we're like, man. Yeah, I know. I'm there a lot of the time. We, we, we <laughs> hang out together, my wife and Aaron. His wife. But by, and by the way, just so you know, just because you paid off your debt doesn't mean there's still not something wrong with you. Okay? There's oh. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, but you know what, you guys? I want to, what we want to do next I want, uh, is to talk about what we, what we do with the money we free up after we do deal with our debts. Uh, but let me take a really quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to have Marcus tell us how to invest after we pay off our debts. Be right back. And here we are, back again. <laughs> so, so, Marcus, we paid off our debts. We struggled through this. We swore never to do it again. What do we do now? Uh, well, to speak a little bit to Aaron's comment, I, I can, again, take no credit uh, as far as, you know, how did I get here and self-actualize? I didn't. I get it from my father, uh, and I'll give two quick stories. Uh, the simplest is it's he's always told me when I was growing up, I, you know, I get into trouble probably, for example, when I was buying the car with rims or buying those bottles. He would have said, you know, it's not your fault, but it is your problem. He used to say this quote oh, to I me like and beat that. it in my head. So as I got older... I eventually start repeating it in the mirror. I look in the mirror, it's like, it's not your fault, but it is your problem. <laughs> so that was it. That, that, that was beat into me when I was very young, broke my spirit early. Um, and, and then the other, like uh, one of those opportunities uh, actually at age 27 also started chasing income. So, uh, I, you know, like most young people, I thought, well, you know, I'm in debt, so money will buy happiness. I just need more money. I just need more money. That's the problem. I need more money. And so I moved to a job in Denver, 40% uh, raise. Uh, nice. And I, over that time, increased my salary uh, from 22 to 3,400%. Um, so I, it, it was successful. I, I moved all over the country chasing money. And I remember one time I was 
despondent because I was too young to grasp my head around why money wasn't being, making me happy. And my father was like, you know, wow, you're in the greatest city on earth that people are, you know, move all across the country for you making 70,000 a year. You're like, and you've got this beautiful scenery every time you look out over the mountains and, and, and you know, Oh, damn. Oh, it's such a difficult life you live. <laughs> so, he's always giving me that perspective of like, you know, reflect back on yourself. And that's when I, like I said, I was in the city of Denver. And the second time I actually got serious about serious and air quotes about investing because so I, I worked in public sector. So I had a, a pension. That's how I got into investing by accident. I was forced to do so, save 8% of my income, even when I, I was making 19,600 the first job. When I got to Denver, um, I remember some guys came from TI Aircraft. It was two of them. And they were like, hey, we're going to give a free seminar and we'll set you up with an investment fund. We'll pull it all and we'll do it for you. And I was like, oh, this is very interesting. It's like one of those dispersed emails that like goes out to everybody. 6,000, maybe. Yeah, I think 6,000 employees in CFD. I'm like, this line is going to be around the corner. I got to get there early. And so, you know, I go on my lunch break. And I think these guys were like sleeping in their chairs. They're like, oh, 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 Mr. Garrett, what can we do? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I saw this. Am I in the right room? I saw this email where y'all had set up an index fund for free. And they're like, yeah, we, we, like it's like they I was like they'd seen a ghost. I think I was the only employee that signed up that day. <laughs> they rolled all my accounts and I set up my first index fund. And I could not believe how simple it was. It actually made me nervous because they're like, sign here, sign here. We, you just mail us a check for 20000 because I you know, allocated a few funds over the years. And I was like, these guys are going to take my money and have a hangover. <laughs> I'm going to see them on the hangover cruise in, in Vegas. But um, it worked out. And I didn't I didn't even know what I was doing. It was free. It was paid for by my employer. And they how set up you? an index fund. 27. 27. Okay. Yeah. And, and, so, and so that and that's, you still that's still today. what I do to this day. Yeah, yeah that's what okay. I still do. I just I just happen to know more about it now. Yeah. So low cost <laughs> index funds is what I use. Yeah, and, and all Yay! through uh, like four hundred one k or four hundred three b whatever type of thing. Yeah, that'd have been through a four hundred three b. And I'm I'm still in the public sector. Like I said, I'm still a recovering auditor, auditor and trying to escape. Uh, but I, I the thing uh, the thing I tweeted recently, and some of this is just the age that I'm at as well. And I think you said this is audit is intellectually interesting but i think over time you get well i have and i've talked to a lot of other friends you get frustrated with just being the limit of ability to actually implement work i don't work in operations i make recommendations people ignore me i come back next year and i go hey you ignored me last year thus the findings are the same this no, year we should totally have beer sometime dude because <laughs> this is exactly what i do i was a state auditor for the state of arizona i'm auditing school right. districts county treasurers and you, yep. you make recommendations they don't give a damn. They don't do anything different at all. <laughs> they don't even care. I mean, this, uh, yeah. by the way, this is 40 years ago. So, uh, I don't, you know, it's not, the same. Yeah. I, could, I could validate it. Still and it's, like, it's like, why am I doing this? You know, it's, what am I doing this for? And well, I, I got the heck out. You know, I, I, actually, I bet you if I picked up one of your audit reports from 40 years ago, those recommendations would still be valid. I, they I haven't would done bet any you of them. That, that is true. <laughs> if they existed finding, at all. Finding number one. <laughs> yeah. If they existed at all. So, now, do you, do you invest outside of your 403B? Um, I started to in recent years because uh, so now as I've, you know, I've leveled up in the career and, and as we're talking about here, uh, it's just like, well, again, it's I have a mentor, fortunately, in audit. He's about 10 years ahead of me and it's transactional. He, he really described it in a way that I couldn't wrap my head around like my father's trying to do when I was 27. Now I'm 39 and he's my not my father. My mentor's in his 50s, I believe. And he's like, you know, you're making more money, but it's still transactional. That's why you're not getting any emotional benefit out of it. And that's why you're getting frustrated. Yeah, like you still like it intellectually, but you're not getting any personal purpose or fulfillment out of it. I don't it. understand that. And Explain. I don't understand what you mean. So 
I like the idea of audit. I still love doing research. I still, I, I nerd out on this. I like, I'm getting super excited about financial literacy month. I've got a whole content calendar built out. No one cares about this stuff like I do. Well, maybe <laughs> the, for people on this panel and FinCon. No, no, I don't. Something. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want like to be clear. I'm not a nerd. Okay. Yeah. I got out of that business. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it, well, it took me 20, maybe 30 years to accept that I was. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm cool. I'm a cool dad. You know, like, no. Nah. Um, and I still like, you know, five elements of a finding, criteria, condition, consequence, uh, the five C's and, and corrective action. I love the idea and I would love if people implemented the idea. But like you said, the, the, the block stops at I end at the recommendation and thus I am ignored. I have a career of being ignored and I'm, and I'm still doing great. And I have auditors. I, I do training now. I have auditors still coming to me like, how do I get people to pay attention to my work? And I was like, I've been trying to answer that for 39 years. <laughs> no, but you were saying, so, you were so one, saying that it, your, your mentor was saying that it's the reason you're not getting pleasure because it's transactional. What, what, what did you mean by that? I get paid the another auditor you get paid very well to do something you're indifferent about oh okay okay and thus because i thought money bought happiness i'm confused because i'm like i make more money than ever why am i not happy which is a very auditor mindset to have it's like well objective money should make me happy and it it has not obviously i'm grateful for it because it allows me to have and, and live in a lifestyle that i'm accustomed to if i had to divorce myself um <laughs> but it's i want more and i i know how that sounds, but I've also made peace with how that sounds is that it's okay to also want and desire more. So tying it back to your question, I now have a business that I started in my name and okay, I do speaking cool. and engagement because I'm using audit and I'm working with a business coach on that. How do I transfer what I think is a, or I know is a valuable skill set into a different field in which I can derive purpose and enjoyment from. That's and awesome. so that's why I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing speaking and training. So and you're, you're teaching now. auditors to have a voice. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, expanding beyond that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Expanding beyond <laughs> auditors. And I, I, I think I'm tapping into something because like I said, every time, well, not every time, a lot of time after I finish a class, the auditors come up, they're like, yes, I relate to that. I'm having that exact same problem. And they're, uh, they're younger and older. So I'm just trying to figure out how to uh, monetize or do more with that. Because like I said, that's the golden handcuffs. Um, I'm paid well to do something I'm indifferent about. Uh, so I can choose to make one twentieth of that and be happy, but broke. <laughs> you know, it's the artist conundrum. Yeah, but you, you know, uh, just just today, I we I have a, a website, Money Talks News, of course, and we did a story about Social Security. Would you take it when you're seventy or when you're sixty-two? And all the comments, all the comments underneath are like, "Take it when you're sixty-two, you might die." You know, in other words, the bottom line is that everybody seems to hate their job. And, and they want to quit at the first possible moment. My dad worked for the federal government, and he quit his job when he was 60. He, and, and he never looked back. You know, I'm 66. I wouldn't begin to quit my job. Why? Because I love my job. You know, right. the, whole, the whole FIRE thing. Uh, what is it? Financial independence, retire early? Is that what it's, FIRE yes. stands for? Well, yes. I, I've always said FERN. Financial independence, retire never. I mean, what you should be doing is something that makes you happy that you don't right. want to quit doing. You know? Yep. And, and I don't understand why so many people work in jobs they can't, that they don't like. I understand how it happens. I was an auditor, you know. But your goal should be not just to make more money. It should be to find something that blows your skirt up, you know, that you really want to do, that you look forward to doing every day. And I think, I mean, I don't know how to tell people how to do that. I've, I lucked into what I do. Uh, but it seems to me like that's the whole purpose. And that sounds like what I you're think, trying to do. 
Um, and actually, I shared this recently. Uh, actually, I shared it today. There's a, a LaCroix LaRay or something like that. She's an FBI agent. She does speak in this space. And she said it. Uh, she's a former FBI agent, so she's pretty blunt. But she's like, most people don't know what they want to do. And she's talking about 30 or 40 year olds. And thus, transactionally, and I, honestly, I think college is guilty of this as well. It's like, get a job, get money, and then you'll figure it out. And no, no, you won't, because I got a job and got money. A lot of people get jobs and get money and you don't figure anything out. You just go through life confused. And the only difference being now you've left college, you've got no one telling you what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got to design your own plan. And I think you you said a small word that is very big there is luck. So someone asked me yesterday why I went into audit. And I was in data data entry, which is actually something I'm still interested in doing data analytics. I made 19600 that first job. I saw an audit job that paid 30000 I was like, y'all have a good day. <laughs> and I went over to audit. And then someone said, hey, if you get a certification, you can double your income. So I became a certified internal auditor. You know, I, yeah, I just logic up because money buys happiness, right? And yeah. then yep. Yep. earlier than 39, I realized it didn't. It's like, uh-oh, I've got all these certifications. I keep getting these promotions in a field I am completely indifferent about. Yeah, Although I'm, getting, you know, I'm happy Miranda, for my gainful employment. Miranda, chime in here because you're doing <laughs> something that you love, right? Yeah. Okay, how did you get in? How, how did you find that? Did you seek it out? Did, did it come to you? Yeah, you so, do? yeah, so I mean, so, so first of all, like, I mean, when you, I like, I like what Marcus talking about, Marcus is talking about when we're talking about, you know, looking for that income and up, updating that income, because first of all, we have to acknowledge that you can cut as much as you want, but eventually you run out of things to cut. And, and you just have to make more money if you really want to supercharge things and move forward. So I really like that point. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I, I did, I mean, I went to school for, for journalism, I knew I wanted to be a writer, I had a comms undergrad. And then I went and did my graduate degree in journalism and got a master's degree in journalism, and started writing. Now I fell into money on accident because uh, I was actually a science writer and I was writing for Discover Magazine and physics uh, and physics.org and, and doing that kind of thing. But, um, and then one day, Somebody approached me because I was on a content farm and somebody approached me and asked if I would like to do this newfangled blog thing that was going to be the next marketing push. And uh, they needed somebody to provide content for some retirement uh, consultants blog. And here we are. <laughs> and like, and so I started doing well, that. Have you always it. loved your work? Yeah. So, yeah, I've always liked writing. Um, I've always enjoyed writing. I've, I've been lucky enough to be able to do it. Uh, some topics are more are, are like more boring than others. I mean, there's some topics that I'm like, why do I have to do this? Do, uh, do you like writing about money? I do. Yes. Yeah. So once I fell into it, I started learning about it. And that's really how I started developing my own money philosophy and figuring out what I wanted to do with my money and make it work as easily for me as possible. So, yeah. I mean, well, my wife, pretty... uh, my wife's a nurse practitioner. And, and uh, Marcus, she told me when she was five years old that she knew she wanted to be a nurse. And I'm wow. like, geez, I, I, I'm not even sure what I want to do now. You know, I'm 66. <laughs> I just fell into the stuff that I do. I'm not, but now I really right. love what I do. You know, I mean, I, get, right. well, I don't work very hard anymore, for, as a matter of fact. But, uh, but, I, but I love having my own business. You know, I love speaking like you do. Uh, and, and, you know, to me, it's the whole the whole idea of life isn't to make a bunch of money. It's to find out what makes you happy and do that for a living. If you possibly if it pays, that's what you should do. Right. That's what I think. Yeah. And now later in life, 
having a greater appreciation for that. And uh, similar to what Miranda was talking about, I got lucky that I was in a field with a lot of transferable skill sets, which actually yeah. a lot of people outside of audit don't realize. So uh, I had a director and we had like a ridiculous training budget. And I remember one year he was just like, anyone who walks through my office door, I will approve training. And first of all, not many people walk through his office door because auditors are introverts who don't like to be in front of rooms. I was like, okay, can I take speaker training? Sure. Writing training? Sure. You know, nice. anything, data training? Sure. <laughs> and he actually paid for two more of my certifications. And I, I learned, you know, a lot of things from that. I still consider him a friend. He's uh, was in the same shop as my mentor as well. It's like when someone invests in you, which is why I'm so big in mentorship now, is he saw a vision for me a little bit different because he wanted to keep me in audit. So he's like, yeah, I don't understand why you don't just niche down and do audit forever. You can do this career until I've now learned until you're like in your 80s because my last boss was in his 80s. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, I don't want to. I appreciate that. Um, but just find those transferable skill sets. And now, uh, like you're saying, I know I like writing. I know I like speaking. Speaking was going to be my most lucrative income prior to the pandemic. So it's coming back a little bit now. So now it's identifying what makes me happy, but also being honest with myself, at least the type of person I am and probably our household as well. It's like, I, I do like money. Like Miranda said, like well, I'm yeah. a person that likes money. I'm, I'm not going to be austere and living in a home down by the river. Like if, if I don't <laughs> have to, unless it leads to something else, like <laughs> yeah. it'd be a very big home on a lake. Great. But like, that's, that's, taking some ownership on who I am. And that's why I can't, because I've had people like, well, just quit. Just walk away. Great resignation. Great resignation. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I like where I've come to. I want to, you know, I want my cake and to eat it too, perfect, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Well, I'll tell you what, yeah. you should do, whatever you do, it should involve voices because you certainly have one. <laughs> I'd be a, I'd Actually, be a DJ. I, I you should be a loud year, singer. So. That's what you should do. <laughs> <laughs> I picked that up this year. I appreciate it. I just dropped my first voiceover project, so it is out there. Nice. Yeah, you've got the voice. That's Marcus for sure. Garrett. Now, and notice, I want you guys to know that I didn't ask Aaron if he loved his job, if he was, you know, enjoyed going to work every day, because Aaron works for me, and you better not say anything except for, yes, I love my job. Do, do you like your job, Aaron? I, I well, say yeah, threateningly. Of I love my job. <laughs> <laughs> but you do, though, right? Yeah, I, I found out young. I had a uh, an awesome art teacher in ninth grade that uh, showed me photography, and I was actually already doing that stuff uh, before then. And I showed him my uh, my album. He's like, "Oh, you already know how to do this. I'm going to put you in my advanced class," and uh, was doing it ever since. Yeah, so it just stuck. So we're all doing what we love. Well, Marcus <laughs> is moving in that direction. Yeah, I, I, you are I'm doing pivoting. some of what you love yeah. too. I do. Good. But I like I like what Marcus is doing, though, because, I mean, I think the human brain gets bored after a while and you do so many things and then uh, you, you need you need something else. So you just keep you, your work is providing these things that to, to expand every what you're doing, you know, and you just you take it. Yeah. And then you go into a different direction. Yeah. And I would point out um, or clarify, even perhaps for myself, because I am still gainfully employed right now, um, always under the threat of fire because we got some other things going on. Not financial independence, retire early, be financially independent, no job. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> that being said is I still like audit. And what I realized over time, that part where I was in denial in my latter 20s and my boss was trying to tap into, and I think Aaron, you said it as well, is like someone, I said this about mentors, they see what you don't see in yourself about five to 10 years before you do. And that's why it's so important to have those type of people in your, well in your community and your network. Yeah. And supporting you is, um, I fundamentally like audit and I realize that I have a, the, the way my brain works is perfect for it to be an auditor. It's just, you know, the, 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 I tapped into something that, that I was good at that I didn't know I was good at. 
that being said, I don't really derive too much purpose from it. And I think sometimes, actually, I know for a fact that a lot of people feel guilty about that. And I've talked to doctors, lawyers, and they're like, well, I make 300,000, I make 600,000, so I'm supposed to be happy about this. But I'm not, because like you said, Stacey, they haven't tapped into their personal fulfillment and yeah. joy out of that. So yeah. it's transactional, going back to I that I was making 250 grand um, when I was 35-ish. Uh, as a stockbroker, I was a manager of a you know for a stock bro- a branch of a stock brokerage firm, and I I hated my job and and I felt like right. such an idiot. I didn't even know right. anyone. I'd never met anyone who made two hundred fifty grand. But you know, yeah. but I hated. I didn't like looking at myself in the mirror. I didn't like what I was doing, working on commission. You know, uh, yeah. and so I I changed my life. I actually was. I got some help from my mentor. It wasn't my mentor. It was the guy who fired me <laughs> for, as a manager. <laughs> so then I went into TV news. But anyway. You know what? We're we out of time here, too. But one last parting thought, Marcus. There's somebody out there just like you. Uh, they, need a, they need some inspiration to pay off their debt and to find something they love. What would you tell them? The inspiration to pay off debt, I, I, Miranda said, I think, you know, you can go to CNBC News or, and find someone that looks like you and emulate their story. I mean, CNBC dropped so many. Uh, I paid off X amount of crazy debt in five days. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I actually think that's a little bit easier. I think the space is actually a little crowded right now. Of course, you can go to themarcusgary.com and see how I paid off $30,000 <laughs> of debt. Purpose, I think, is a more complicated journey and a quote that I heard from uh, Steve Harley recently that I like. So now I'm, I'm listening to motivate. I've become that guy. I listen to motivational movie, uh, videos every morning based on a recommendation from another person that I trust. Uh, I used to get on Twitter and I'd be depressed the first five minutes of the day. They're like, stop doing that. Listen to these happy videos. And Steve Harvey said, the road to self-improvement is always under construction. Awesome. They're, they're little two minute, two minute videos. And so that really helped me like the journey is never done and the road is always changing and improving. And like Aaron said, the job didn't change audit. Like you said, it's been the same for 40 years. It'll probably be the same for the next 800 years. I changed and grew out of what audit can do for me. So now I have to solve for what the next step in my life will be because the road to self-improvement is always under construction. That is awesome. And when you find awesome. your next yeah, road, good. I want you to come back here and share it with us. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, then. Uh, anything else, Miranda or Aaron? Yeah, I mean, I just think um, one of the things that Marcus said that really struck me, if you're trying to stay out of debt once you get out of debt, is he talked about support and mentorship in his career, but that also works in your money, and it also works as you're getting out of debt and as you're trying to stay out of debt. So if you want to stay out of debt, Make sure that you are associating with folks who can support you in that, who aren't always trying to get you to get outside of your principles and to really know what your your values are. A lot of the time we forget about that. So know where your values are, uh, know what you want your money to accomplish, and that can help you keep focus on, okay, is this going to help me with my goals? Is this going to help me accomplish what I want to do? Is this going to help me with my purpose in life? No, then it's probably just going to put me back in debt. So let's really be mindful about what we're doing with our money so that we can stay out of debt once we get out of that. You never fail to impress, Miranda. <laughs> yeah. And Stacy's been my mentor, although I'm not 100% sure that's been a good thing. Oh, no, that's a mistake, <laughs> dude. You need to rethink that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should, I shouldn't. You shouldn't be my friend, even much less have me as your mentor. That's <laughs> bad thinking. Okay, guys, we are we are out of time. But you know what? We are never out of topic. Dig a little deeper. You're going to find links to lots more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, your online home, 
Well, it's moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. And of course, you want to see Marcus. His website is themarcusgarrett.com. Marcus, what's the name of your book again? Debt Free or Die Trying. Debt Free or Die Trying. Go to, go to themarcusgarrett.com and you can also see that. And one last thing, if you do appreciate what we do, then do something for us. Subscribe to this podcast. Takes you two seconds. Really helps us, though. So if you like us, show us. And subscribe and tell your friends, too. I'm Stacey Johnson. I'm Miranda Marquette. And I'm Aaron Freeman. Now you say your name, and Marcus. Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Marcus Gear. I should have told you that at the beginning. I did. Sorry about that. Okay, thanks Welcome. for hanging out with us, guys. We're going to see you right here next time.